Welcome to the Monica Klein Show, and I am your host, Monica Leal Klein, and I'm so happy to have you guys here with me today. I have, uh, I am in the great state of Texas, and I recently moved to the great hill country. I am out in the, in the boonies. <laughs> I am in the rural community. And I love it. I love every bit of it. My husband and I decided that now that we're empty nesters, we are going to do something different in our lives. We're both originally from the country and we decided to come back to the country. Uh, now, neither one of us have ever lived in the hill country of Texas, but we are loving it, loving it, loving it. Uh, I think one of the things, you know, we, we actually bought um, a farm property and uh, it's, it's, it's been kind of, I think it's been vacant for a little bit. And so, uh, you know, our yard doesn't have a whole lot of grass. And so the dogs are running around, which they're very happy about. Our little, our littlest dog is a Westie and she is literally rolling in the dirt every single day and she loves it. So I feel like I should rename her uh, Pigpen because that is what she is. She is a cloud of dirt. Uh, as she walks around because that's what she does all day is roll around in the dirt and she is in heaven doing that. Um, so, uh, so that's my, my only complaint is that boy, there's a lot of dirt out here <laughs> and it comes into the house, but that's okay. Um, we, we love it. We are thoroughly enjoying it. And the weather here is beautiful. I spent my time yesterday on Sunday doing Bible study, listening to sermons, praying, uh, and I did all that on my patio and just hearing the birds chirping and the breeze and the sunshine. And man, it was, it was beautiful. I just, it was like I had an outdoor desk and I just had a great time out there. It was, it was wonderful. And so I am enjoying the weather right now in Texas. It is getting a little bit cooler, but in Texas, it doesn't get all that cold. Uh, who knows? We might get a freeze this year. So, uh, hopefully not. Uh, I don't enjoy freezes. But uh, anyway, I am enjoying the hill country and I love Texas so much and I love this country so much and, and I really love our freedoms in this country. And I think one of the things that myself and many others, and I know many listeners right now are concerned about our freedoms, uh, concerned that we are going to be dictated to, that we're going to be mandated to do different things that we don't want to do. Uh, and it's not just about what we don't want to do. It's that our freedom should not be infringed upon. And so we're seeing all kinds of mandates all over. Um, you know, I don't really enjoy talking about COVID, so I'm not going to talk about that too much, but obviously there's been mandates against people, mandates against the churches, uh, especially the churches, uh, telling us that we can't leave our homes, telling us we have to do this, we have to do that, and we have to do it in a certain time frame, or, um, you know, that we can't worship. Um, the state of California, the governor there, Newsom, is telling people that they, you know, all kinds of things from you can't gather for Thanksgiving, or if you do, it's just this many people, or you can't go to church, or if you do, you're not allowed to sing. I mean, this is ridiculous stuff, and it's pretty, pretty obvious uh, that there is an attack on the church in this country. Um, and so freedom is so important. God gave us free will. God gave us freedom of choice from the very beginning. Uh, our responsibility is to make wise choices um, and certainly to not dictate uh, what others should be doing. 
And uh, so we're finding ourselves in a really difficult situation. And here in Texas, a mandate that I want to talk about is a sex ed mandate. Now, in other states, like, for example, Washington State, there, um, there was an actual bill, a law that was passed that for a sex ed mandate, basically. Uh, and so this was, you know, this takes away local control from parents. Parents can't decide for themselves what's going to be taught to their children about sex or if they even want their children to be uh, taught sex education at all. Uh, and so, you know, there is an organization that, you know, became, that was founded because of this situation. And, uh, and they fought hard against this mandate. And, and I'm really proud of them. They've done a really great job. And it just shows that the parents of this country, conservative parents of this country, do not want a sex ed mandate. Now, in this particular state, the sex ed mandate was for comprehensive sex education, which is incredibly graphic. Um, it teaches children that sex is expected of them from a very young age. It teaches them that sex is, that they're sexual from birth. And so, you know, it, it really, y'all have probably seen quite a bit of information on comprehensive sex education. You've probably heard me talk about it. If you haven't, then listen to some previous podcasts or my videos on YouTube. Um, it is incredibly graphic. It definitely sets up the expectation um, that children should be uh, sexual from birth, that teenagers, even middle schoolers should be sexual and experiment sexually. I mean, that's the whole point of comprehensive sex education. Comprehensive sex education does not talk about abstaining in any way. They talk about the different forms of sex. They talk about how STDs are transmitted through the different various, you know, various bodily fluids, all the possible ways that those fluids could be exchanged between one person or another, uh, and another. Um, all the possible sexual scenarios that you could possibly think of so that they can teach your children how to reduce their risk by using condoms. And then because they know condoms will fail, then they also encourage children to go to clinics to get tested for STDs so that they can get treated and to also get an abortion or get birth or, or hormonal birth control. And because they know parents aren't okay with this, they teach the children how to do this without parental knowledge. And many laws are being passed or they're attempting to pass laws fed on the federal level, state level, even local level, so that parents, uh, so that, you know, to, to be able to give these young people the ability to do this without their parents ever knowing. And so we see federal programs like Title X, um, any of the STD grants that are out there, they are going to treat people minors for these diseases, uh, they are going to test, they are going to see them, and they never need to talk to the parents about it. And so this is really infringing upon the rights of parents to be able to protect their own children. Um, it's, it, it is really in the best interest of children that their parents are involved in their health care. So, um, the fact that comprehensive sex education wants to eliminate the parent is a huge red flag. Um, and, and you know, and it's just really 
it's not odd. It's very purposeful that Planned Parenthood has used the word parenthood. You know, they, they, they are kind of masters and very clever, clever at the use of language. And they know that if they use words like parenthood and empowerment and freedom, that those are all positive, wonderful words. And they take over those words to give themselves this uh, facade that they're actually good but what they really are are against parenthood they're against family and you see that by their actions and so if you are a person who uh, when you meet people and you know we we meet people we meet or we get to know uh, new people we we always want to see the fruit in their lives right we want to decide is this someone that I can trust or be close with or have them around my family or do business with you want to see the fruit in their lives is it good fruit or is it bad fruit well when you look at Planned Parenthood and comprehensive sex education don't worry so much about what they say the positive words that they're using but look at their fruit and the fruit is is that they are against family they are against parenthood they sexualize children they then uh, put children in situations that will increase their likelihood of getting disease or having an unplanned pregnancy and then they simply treat them for those diseases and they even treat pregnancy like a disease in other words words that they use abortion as that quote unquote cure. And so all you have to do is look at the fruit that they are producing and it is a very destructive fruit. Um, and then you also see that they want to mandate their way of living. They want to mandate their secular humanism upon every child and family in this country. And they're doing that by eliminating the parent and doing sex ed mandates because sex education is the vehicle that helps children to move from becoming promiscuous to then having abortions. And this continues to be a death, uh, deadly cycle in their lives. And so sex education is very important to them because that's really the vehicle to abortion and to their profits. And so, um, you know, and there's all these other goals as to, you know, they want to, and all you have to do is go onto their websites, especially the SICUS website. They want social change. They want to use sex education to change society, to change the culture away from the nuclear family, away from mom, dad, and children, away from parents being the sole authority over their children. You see this in the bills and the laws that they're attempting to pass, even in transgender bills there um, you know when if you've ever heard the quote parents are a barrier to service you heard it from me first that is that is my quote because I'm quoting Planned Parenthood that is what they taught me in the 10 years that I worked with them and even trained them at one point again I'm a, you know I'm fully converted they believe parents are a barrier to service they say that they're about parenthood, right? Planned Parenthood, but they believe parents are a barrier to their services, a barrier to sex education. Parents are a barrier to abortion. And for SICUS, parents are a barrier to social change. And the social change that they're wanting is to destroy the nuclear family. They want the children to be taught by public education and not the family. You know, we see even uh, a woman in Harvard, when COVID first hit and all the children are at home, you know, there was an article in the New York Post where she was like, oh no, this is horrible. The children are, are going to be taught by parents. They're spending so much time with their families that all the work that we've done in public school is going 
to go away. You know, we need to get the kids back in public school so we can re-educate them because those pesky parents are teaching them other things. And so this is why I created It Takes a Family, because the truth is, is that when we look at what Planned Parenthood and this particular woman at Harvard and this whole movement for social change that is anti-family, what they're basically saying is that mom and dad, the nuclear family, and especially a family of faith is an enemy, that you are the enemy. And so <clears throat> they're very clever. They're very smart. And they know that they can't just do this by speaking it, but they want to recruit. And this is why they're not trying to teach you, mom and dad. They're trying to reach your children. They know that if they can re-educate your children in public school, then they will have social change in a future generation. And so this is why this is so important is that these mandates by law or through education standards need to be uh, destroyed. We need to stop them. We need to stop these mandates. We need to educate our legislators, our conservative legislators, and we need to, we need to help them to understand what these laws actually mean and to not approve them, not to let them pass. And so that example we're seeing in Washington state where they're trying to pass legislation to mandate sex education, just like it's been mandated in California. Another tactic though, is changing education standards. Uh, basically, you know, in the fifth grade, in math, the standard is that they achieve this particular skill, you know, or in second grade, they learn basic addition, you know, whatever it is. These are minimum standards in order to pass to the next grade. Well, another way of being able to insert sex education into the schools and not, and, and, you know, and basically not worry about the law is by changing the standards of the state, the education standards. And so in the state of Texas, and we see that this already happened in Colorado, they changed their standards, uh, the education standards. So even though the state may have had laws that protected, you know, uh, family authority, now the education standards kind of trump that because if there's, if once those standards are established, then every public school in the state has to follow those standards uh, and their textbooks also have to follow that standard. And so in the state of Texas, one of the ways that Planned Parenthood, Texas Freedom Network, SECUS, uh, they all work together to change the education standards and to insert, to really grow our sex education standards um, on a state level. Now, many conservatives knew that this was happening, and so we worked really hard. Some uh, were actual content advisors within the State Board of Education that really um, helped them realize uh, that, that parents of Texas did not want this. Um, I testified three times already. Uh, many of my friends did and colleagues did as well. Uh, my first testimony, which I'll be releasing through video, uh, was pretty powerful, not because of me, um, but because I was able to really explain what comprehensive sex education really is and how it is harmful for all children, regardless of how they identify, regardless of uh, if they've been through foster care or are homeless, you know, uh, if they identify with LGBTQ, whatever it may be. I really helped them see how comprehensive sex education was more harmful than it was helpful. Um, and so 
uh, myself and, and many, many people um, who consulted with board members and lobbied were able to then pull out a lot of the graphic comprehensive sex education out of the standards as they were revising it in this last year. They were able to get rid of consent language, which is basically uh, lessons that would teach children how to say yes to sex. Uh, according to Planned Parenthood, consent should be an enthusiastic yes. You should give a very enthusiastic yes to sex. Um, so we had we successfully were able to remove consent language from the standards, as well as uh, LGBTQ language that was really not so much about, they say that it was for anti-bullying, but it was more about indoctrination. It was more about teaching children that they should experiment, uh, that they should be open, uh, not that they should um, just respect each other's differences, but that they should be an activist for the gay community and that not and that it it really wasn't optional. It was basically saying if you're not for the LGBTQ community, fully for them, advocating for them of complete submission and compliance to their ideology, then you are out of line. And so a lot of that was pulled out as well. And so what's left now are more um, standards that would align with the sexual risk avoidance uh, movement, um, which is <clears throat> a lot of you may remember the word more abstinence, right? It's about teaching children to delay sex until marriage. And so SRA is risk avoidance is to avoid the risk altogether. When you avoid the risk, like drugs, smoking, drinking, you avoid these, the negative consequences of those behaviors. And so the, that same philosophy or public health model is used with sex, with sexual risk avoidance, is that if you avoid sex at a young age, then you will avoid these problems and it will allow you to focus more on academics, healthy relationships that have nothing to do with touching each other's bodies and really give kids a chance to grow up um, avoiding a lot of these problems at an age when they, they're not prepared to handle. Um, and so really focusing on helping them choose to avoid sex until marriage or at least adulthood. Um, now here's the problem though. Texas, in the state of Texas, we trust our families. We trust that parents in Texas, uh, and we in not just trust our parents, I think what it is is that we believe in freedom. We believe in freedom in Texas, which means that in Texas, sex education in public schools has been considered optional. It is not required. And what our law says, our Texas Education Code 28.004, it actually states that we want parents to have local control. That means mom and dad in your district, you get to choose if you want sex education in your school, in your community, because only you know best because you're part of that community. And you can make those decisions within a uh, committee called the SHAC, the Student Health Advisory, uh, School Health Advisory Committee. And in that committee, you're able to make decisions together. And, and that, that the shack should be comprised of majority parents of that district. And so basically that district, you represent your district talking to other parents and you take local control. 
and you decide, you know what, one district may say, you know what, we, we really believe that we need sex education. So as parents on the shack, we're going to review different kinds of sex ed curriculum, adopt one and implement it in our school. And that district has made a decision for themselves. The shack may say, we're not concerned about this. Our parents have got it. Kids are doing well. We don't want it. And they won't have it because it's optional. And this is the beauty of local control. Our Texas Education Code also says that when they choose a curriculum, it needs to emphasize abstinence. It must be medically accurate. Um, and it should not advocate for it for birth control. It should just educate about birth control, not be an advocate for it, not trying to sell pharmaceuticals, but to basically focus on what is medically accurate and provide education. But that the really the, the strong message should be that children should avoid, should avoid sex at a young age. Again, local control. What's happening right now and the vote that's going to occur tomorrow uh, well, actually, they're going to hear testimony tomorrow and they'll be voting on the 20th. SRA has kind of become the dominant theme of the standards. And so many people are thinking, well, that's really, you know, some people are thinking, well, that's good, right? That's good. Well, not really. And the reason that it's not good is that once again, we're now getting a mandate. So you see what happens is that before sex education in, in Texas schools was pretty innocuous. It was really, really kind of very basic. It allowed for the details to be really uh, put into the hands of parents. It was more like hygiene, deodorant, menstruation, just the basic biological facts of puberty, nothing else, not character education, not going through role plays about, um, you know, that you're at a party and you're drunk and you're thinking about having sex with this person and then maybe the next person. I mean, it, it, it does not put kids in these scenarios that they, that would basically plant ideas in their mind or give them this false, um, belief that this is expected of them. It, it current Texas education, uh, when it comes to sex is very basic. It was just kind of puberty again, you know, take care of yourself uh, take a shower, use deodorant, uh, have what you need, you know, kind of thing for girls, uh, but nothing about actual having sex. That is something that needs to be happening. That conversation needs to be happening at home. Now, so what's happening is that by having sexual risk avoidance as the education standard, it now means that parents basically, it, it means that there's a teacher, an instructor out there who's going to be teaching your child their values and the values of SRA. And if you don't agree with those values, well, tough luck because it's an education standard. So for example, one of the standards that I, you know, there's plenty of them. One, I, I don't believe that even SRA people, sexual risk avoidance instructors should be teaching my child because that's not what I want. I teach my own child. Um, I don't want someone else talking to my child about dating relationships. And, and for example, in the education code, I mean, not, and not in the education code, in the current re, uh, new revision of the standards, the, in the eighth grade, they're going to teach eighth graders um, uh, the difference between a romantic relationship, a casual relationship, 
you know, in, in different kinds of relationships. Now, the truth is, is that in the eighth grade, I well, in my, in my child's life period, I decide when I'm going to teach my child about those relationships. And if I'm going to teach my child about those relationships and, and when I do, it will be from my perspective, not the perspective of an instructor at the school, my perspective, because only I, the parent have the very best interest and the very best in mind for my own child. The instructor at the school doesn't feel that way and they might have completely different values and they may give your child a message that you do not agree with. And so as much as I really respect my SRA friends and what they're doing, even they do not have the right to infringe their education and force and mandate their education on my child or my grandchildren through a mandate, whether it's law or education standards. This other problem that I have with this is that naively people are believing that it's going to stay sexual risk avoidance. And it's not true because any school can choose to go above and beyond those standards. So now that when this passes, because I believe it probably will pass as it is, and I am very happy that our state school board members have been uh, have chosen SRA over CSE. I, I mean, that is good. I'm glad that they remove consent. I'm glad they remove the LGBTQ, uh, you know, ideology out of it. But what's going to happen now is that now that we have essentially a mandate, a sex ed mandate, it means that teachers can teach above and beyond those, those education standards. So any school, it's kind of like an open door where before we really, it was like, it was optional. It wasn't required. It's now required because it's an education standard. And it's now an open door that says, now you get to be able to talk about anything, including comprehensive sex education, because those standards are minimum. So, so teachers can go above and beyond those standards. So if, if you get a teacher who feels that those are not good enough or it doesn't go far enough, then they can insert comprehensive sex education into it. And that's a really big problem. So now it, it's really providing an open door where before Texas said it is optional and it has local control. When this passes, local control will become irrelevant because now it's part of the education standards. It's taking control away from parents. Parents can now, they're not able to choose. I mean, they still could, but the education standard still is there. And that standard will be used in any classroom. And so that is the problem is that by creating a standard for sexuality and reproduction in Texas through the education standards, whether it's SRA or CSE, it is now a mandate. And in Texas, we were in a great position that there was no required sex education. Now it's becoming required. And, and it was done in a very clever way because instead of going through the law, they went through the education, through the education standards. 
and that and that is taking local control away it also goes against our texas education code because the education code says that it's the the parents it's the local control that gets to choose now i had an organization that said yeah monica but we don't like local control and i said well how could you not like local control they said well look what happened at austin isd because of local control they chose comprehensive sex education and look at the situation that they're in. Now, I agree. What happened at Austin ISD is horrific, horrific. And I even know families who literally left, moved, sold their home or canceled their leases and moved away from the Austin school district just to protect their children from the graphic sex education that they're implementing there. I get it. But in this country, we do have freedom. And if that district chose that, as much as I disagree with it, it was still local control. But what about the districts now who want conservative teaching? They're going to be choosing a conservative SRA curriculum, or they're going to say, we don't want one at all. That local control is priceless. So when we make an education standard on, uh, you know, this education standard, just because it says that's SRA, the truth is teachers can still teach above and beyond that minimum standard. So we're not sure what they're going to end up teaching. It would have been better not to have it there at all. And so I have moved uh, and asked the board to delete it. They're probably not going to listen to me <laughs> about that. Uh, from the very beginning, I started a campaign called with My Faith Votes and Pro-Love Ministries stating you know, why I was against this, why the parents of Texas were against this and, and parents had the freedom to choose to send this campaign letter to the state board of education. And we had thousands of parents across the state who participated in the campaign saying, you need to, um, you know, uphold our law, our Texas education code, which gives parents local control. Sex education is optional, not required. Do not do this from the very beginning but they continue to move forward with this, with an SRA mandate through sex education. Um, you know, so, so here we are um, in this situation and we're gonna continue to fight it. We're, you know, the new session is starting uh, in 2021. It's literally, I mean, hundreds of bills are already being, um, you know, it, drafted and, and, and so the work has already begun. But we're so so really we're going to work hard in 2021 to change this uh, because we don't want this to be a mandate. Uh, so so just for all of you out there listening in other states, there are several ways for uh, organizations um, or or special interest groups to create sex education mandates in your state. Uh, it can be done on the state level through legislation. It can also be done through the education standards through your department of education in your state. That's another way that they can sneak it in or they can even do it locally uh, through administration. And so what is the lesson learned here? Uh, what do we want to do going forward? What we want to do is become involved. It's important. You need to start getting involved with legislation. You need to get involved in the um, politics of your school. Um, you need to be involved with, you know, you need to be able, you need to be voting for your board of trustees or your state board members or your, you know, get, start learning. Every state is different. Start learning how people are placed, how decision makers are being placed in your schools locally and on a state level so that you know uh, and can be moving towards having more conservatives being part of 
the decision making. Because once this is what happened at Austin ISD, there were zero conservatives in decision making positions to be able to change or to stop that comprehensive sex education from being implemented at Austin ISD. And that was the huge problem. Uh, so Austin ISD lost lots and lots of families, but the people there who want CSE are still proud of what they've done. So, um, you know, we're, we're not going to stop fighting guys. Um, we, and, and I don't know, you know, for some of you are thinking, I, I don't want to fight. I don't want to be part of something controversial. <laughs> Um, and, and as a, and as a Christian, I've met a lot of Christians too, who said, I don't want to be part of a con you know, of controversy. I don't think God is calling me to a ministry of controversy as you know, and, and here's my, my thought on that. Um, we're already in from the beginning, the, the actual prophecy, the conception and the birth of Jesus was controversial. His existence was controversy. You're not going to escape controversy. We had controversy in the Old Testament. Um, I, I heard someone do a devotional before a staff meeting one day that said um, uh, that she wanted to move in a, with a gentle and quiet spirit like the women, like the midwives in Exodus who quietly chose not to kill the babies as Pharaoh told them to kill the male babies. And I thought that was, there was nothing quiet and, and not controversial about what they did. These midwives chose to put their necks on the line to disobey the Pharaoh. If they had been found out, their public torture and killing would have occurred. They weren't caught, they, you know, but that was very controversial. That was very bold. That was putting their lives on the line to disobey the Pharaoh so that they would obey the creator and their God. And so there, there is nothing about the Christian faith that isn't controversial. <laughs> so get used to it. Um, but we have the peace. And when God says that we can have his peace, he's not talking about that there is zero controversy. It means that you have peace in the midst of controversy. Do you get it? That you have, that he is with you always, that he is hearing you, that he is with you during the controversy. So we're not looking for a fight. When I say it's time to fight, I'm not talking about starting a fight. I'm talking about protecting what is right. That we are doing, just like the midwives did in Exodus, they did what was right and that was controversial and their lives were on the line for doing it. And so, uh, I'm not saying that everything that we do, you know, when you testify for a state board of education, or if you testify at your state legislator or on the federal level, um, your, that your life is on the line. I'm not saying that, but everything is going to be controversial about our faith and there, and it's not because we're trying to create the controversy. It's that is just the state of who we are by being children of God, by being part of that vine in him. And so, uh, you know, it's important that, uh, you know, I, it, this morning I was thinking about, about that and about what God wants us to be, because, you know, I'm guilty of it too. Many of you see me and think, you know, you're, you're always bold. You're always controversial. Um, you, you must not be afraid, but I am, I am, you know, no, there, there are things that in the last few weeks, God has shown me that I have not been consistent. I have not spoken as boldly as I should have. 
I have been a little bit here and there on the fence with SRA and parent education. Uh, and the truth is, is, is that it's time for me to be much more bold for parents, much more bold for our freedoms, much more bold for our authority. And maybe some of you don't want to do that. No problem. But there's a lot of parents who follow it takes a family.org. Um, and you don't have to follow it takes a family.org to be uh, bold, but there are many families who are standing by their values and, 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 and their belief that they are in, in the truth, the absolute truth that they are the sole authority over their children and no local school district, no state government, no federal government, and no social change ideology will be able to prosper in their effort to take over our families. Absolutely not. And so I want to read from Revelation uh, in, in chapter 3, uh, verse 14. God is addressing uh, the, the angel of the church in Laodicea. And he says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And he says, he goes, you say things like, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. So some people are thinking, hey, I live in a good district. Things are good. You know, I, everything's fine. I don't need to do anything, but he says, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Now I'm not sitting here in judgment of you. I've no, you know, you and I, you know, it's not a two way conversation at this point, but the truth is, is that you need to be in prayer and find out from God. Are you cold? Are you hot? Or are you lukewarm for the Lord? And, and for his truth, because when we allow this kind of ideology to be in our public schools, we are saying, we don't care what kids are being taught. And so if you're thinking, well, but I homeschool or my kids go to a, a private school. Well, it's not just about your kids. <laughs> it's about all of our children and our future generations. And this is why I say that I believe that all children, regardless of how they identify, regardless of their family of origin, regardless of where they live or those or their um, income level, all children deserve to be treated with honor and respect, uh, that their modesty should be protected and that no child should ever be sexualized. And so this is why I stand and, and talk about public school. My son is already 21 years old. He's not even in school anymore, so, but I'm still in this fight because I care for all of the children. And I know it's not right for these ideologies to be forcing themselves upon the children and the families of this country because they are dangerous and they are harming us. They are harming us as individuals, they're harming families, and they're harming whole populations of people. I have witnessed it myself as a comprehensive sex educator working in some of the highest risk neighborhoods uh, in, in Austin, Texas. I saw the slow death of communities with this kind of education. 
this kind of indoctrination. And so I'm hoping that you will stand with me uh, and with It Takes a Family to continue to push forward for the freedoms of family in this country. And if there is a family out there, if you're listening and you're thinking, but Monica, I don't know how to talk to my kids about these issues, then please email me at Monica at it takes a I would be happy to talk to you about those things. And, and in this very moment in this 2021 guys is, a, is going to be a year of creation for it takes a family. 2020 was, I did a lot of speaking. Um, I, 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 I grew a lot. I, I not only spoke out against comprehensive sex education, but I really was, um, trying to, to inspire people all over this country that we need to get this back into the hands of parents and that we need to be equipping parents. Um, it's not about a sex ed mandate. I do, I will not stand for any sex education mandate, whether it's for sexual risk avoidance or for comprehensive sex education, because the families of this country deserve better than to be told what needs to be taught and that you are the, and that someone else is the expert and not the parent. Absolutely not. But I'm all about, it takes a family's all about is that we want to educate parents and then you can decide, did you like what I taught you? Do you want to change it a little bit? You get to decide. I provide you with those, with that education. I bring other experts, whether it's experts in homosexuality, experts in puberty, in the body, anatomy, all of these experts can come together and I provide you with this information in 2021. And then you decide is that what I'm going to teach my child? See how different that is? That's not a mandate. That's you seeking out education, increasing in knowledge, and then you get to decide how you're going to speak that into your child's life. That is very different than a mandate. And so I do not support, it takes a family, does not support any kind of sex education mandate, whether it's the local level or the state level or the federal level. And I don't care if it's SRA or comprehensive sex education. I do not support a mandate because and, and then I support local control. So if parents want to choose an SRA program, they choose that SRA program and that's your freedom and that's your right. But for a mandate to occur is not okay. Um, I'm also pushing for opt in instead of opt out. Um, we parents should have the ability to say, um, if I want this, then I will let you know, and I will give you permission, not, oh, it's going to be taught to your child. And, and until you figure it out and actually let us know that you don't want your child to be taught that they're going to be taught that anyway. So we don't want sex education to be the default in the school that everyone gets it. Instead, it's if a parent really feels that they want the school to teach them sex education, you can go review that curriculum and then you can opt your child into that class, like an elective or something like that, but not that it's a mandate. And so um, I stand with the parents in Washington state who are working hard to end the sex ed mandate in their state. I stand with the parents in Texas as well um, to end the sex ed mandate through sex education standards in our education system. And, and I'm about freedom, freedom for family. So you heard it here. Uh, I have said it before, but I said it even more clearly today. Um, you can go and see my campaign back in June uh, where I stated the very same thing. I have not changed my position. I am for the family. Monica Lial Klein, 
is for the family. So join me again next Monday where we will be talking about a whole host of more things about what's happening in education because guys, we have things to talk about, about social, emotional learning. Um, you know, we've got some transgender education things that we need to be talking about. Um, these are people that I'll be interviewing from all over the country to bring some education to you so that you're more aware of what is happening and that you're aware of what is going on around the state so that you are prepared uh, to ensure that your children are safe in your community. So I enjoyed being with you today. And this is a listener supported podcast. So if you are interested in supporting my podcast, please go to monicaklein.com where you can support me there for the podcast. Or if you'd like to support the nonprofit, it takes a family.org. You can go to it takes a family.org and make a tax deductible, um, uh, donation. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, so thanks so much and have a blessed week. Bye.